Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. Today's episode is about complexity and measuring complexity and figuring out if there is a way to actually quantify it so that we can begin to eliminate it and manage it. And so uh, this conversation was very robust. Um, We went back and forth on it. Uh, We started with some slides that we will uh, include in the show notes for um, sort of picturing the the systemic nature of complexity. Uh, And then we got into some really interesting thoughts about what it takes to manage and understand complexity. Uh, This is part of a series for us, and I know you will enjoy the discussion. Today's topic, complexity is something that is near and dear to my heart. And I wanted to show you guys two standard slides I have in my sales deck around complexity. And I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Let's do it. I I would love for us to kick into the complexity topic, please. Uh, So for those of you that don't know, I'm all about data integration. So this is actually complexity as it relates to data integration. Can you see this slide? (laughs) Yes. So this is the uh, create pain slide for the CIO, which is everybody's got this enterprise architecture map that's some, they had some junior guy map out all the dependencies between your different applications. And um, I actually put some math behind this to try to understand the relationships and be able to model it. Uh, so this this equation over here represents huh. the uh, essentially if if you assume that the cost for each integration is constant, so each incremental integration has the same cost as all of the other ones. This represents the cost as the number of systems integrated increases. Uh, But then what I attempted to do with my integration platform was to change the the um, change the dynamic or the mathematical relationship from an exponential to a linear relationship by using a distributed mesh architecture as the basis for doing integrations. Um, What this doesn't show, though, is uh, I've actually got a bunch of math behind this that's a lot more complex, which actually models the uh, a a reusability coefficient, which implies that, you know, with a standard modular data integration strategy, you would have a reusability of components, which would be inversely proportional to the number of integrations. So in other words, you have a coefficient in a in a summation series that reduces the cost of of each n plus one integration by the reuse coefficient. Uh, So what 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 I'm doing here is I'm using an architectural approach in terms of the physical architecture and using a multi-cloud distributed architecture for integration, but then also looking at the way that you build software so as to maximize the reusability through modular components. So it's like um, 
Uh, think about how object-oriented coding creates modularity in software development so that, you know, in other words, you write it once, you reuse it many times. Um, so that's kind of how I wanted to kick <laughs> kick this discussion off is this is the way I'm thinking about it is that, you know, it's a combination of minimizing the number of connections combined with minimizing the amount of rework combined with maximizing the amount of reuse as a way to contend with the cost of complexity. Do you, do you think about it, Tyler, at all between first cost and then sustained or kind of ongoing consumption costs? You've got yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That goes to, uh, let's say, for example, there's a component in, in the data integrations that we developed that takes, takes a table of incoming data, and then we're able to dynamically map it to the, the output. So this is the transformation component for within a more <laughs> ETL flow, right? Yeah. Well, we built that component so that we could reuse it for doing any mapping of any data flow, no matter what the data domain is, no matter what the schema is. Right. Doesn't so matter. Basically so once, you, you've created kind of a metadata abstraction in there that is usable pretty much whatever whatever schema, whatever schema is called for by the application. Yeah, and I I don't want to totally hijack this meeting, so we can go into the. This is your well, you're you're on you're on topic. You're it's and I like I, I like this as a starting point because you're very formula focused on the on the complexity question, um, and and that's one of the things I was hoping we would do is start to say, can we actually, you know, everybody's running around using cost as me too. Um, as this scary, you know, like it, it feels bad, we got to worry about it, all this stuff, but we're having trouble quantifying it. And so we, I think it helps us to quantify it because um, then you can actually talk about how do you reduce it. Have, have you, go ahead, Joanne. Tyler, can I ask a couple of questions? Sorry if I cut you off, Rob, didn't mean to. Oh, sorry. No, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so go back to your previous slide. Because I did this kind of math previously. You said, if I'm not, it, unless I'm mistaken, and I may have misheard you, so I'm asking this as a question. You're saying that each of the APIs is a standard cost, a consistent cost? Yeah, and that's a, that is a fundamental uh, flaw in this mathematical model. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Because... If you are doing it that way, I would I would define it as a constant, number one, and I would look at this as two bracket n minus one times n squared. As yeah, opposed I, to a half. Because if you have a constant it, cost right you're using works an API. Out the same, I think. Okay. Um but 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 hold I don't I'm not sure that complexity 
and this is something that Klaus has has started to convince me of that it's not strictly a systems question. The oh, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. I think it's a it's a bigger thing, which is why I wanted to start with this as like a baseline. But think mm-hmm. about this. Th- there, this implies a certain set of it's not best practices. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, design considerations. If you're trying to design to deal with complexity, but there's these sort of axiomatic things, which is maximize. Yeah, these, are, these are design patterns. Yeah. Design yeah. patterns. Um, this is where my lack of marketing brain comes in. Um, but it's, it's, it's like, you, you should always have a consider consideration consideration of minimizing the number of integration points right I, you should always have a consideration of maximizing the reuse of any developed components and minimizing uh the technical debt that's created when you develop components and then a question on that, on that issue. <laughs> you got everybody activated well, that's good. That was the point. <laughs> well, can I ask so, what integration means? That is it just uh, multi-tenancy reuse of hardware, software? Um, integration. That, that that that's actually a really important point. Most people think of integration as that kind of thing, but integration is also uh, an HR manager inputting new employee data into a UI. That's an integration between a human and a machine. So when we think about this, we have to be as holistic as we possibly can. When we think about integration as the passing of one system, data from one system, information from one system to another system, and system being defined as broadly as possible. One of the other- So I'm a system. Yeah, but one of the, <laughs> one of the other questions there- For a force is, of nature, Joanne. That's for your force of nature. You're you're a level above system. I I have a problem with that that notion of human machine interface and uh you know an HR manager putting in data into a system for which UX and UI have already been calculated. So I'm not sure that I uh, buy into that. Let let me give you. We actually added collaboration into this. Hold hold on, just. Because, but to Joanne's point, one of the things that when we were doing our collab, our our complexity graphing stuff, what we actually stepped back and looked at the the human element, the collaborative element, and what we realized that a lot of these system interactions, um, <clears throat> the complexity thing that added complexity was actually the humans, much more than the systems, and so. What what we what we looked at was and started asking is can you help manage Tyler to your point calculate complexity um, of the human interactions that go into doing this um, and so that was that was part of the part of that's why I'm glad you brought that up because I th- I think that's a integral part in these equations you know your, your yeah and is, I and and admittedly I have not been able to accomplish the quantification of the integration cost between humans. Uh, And and this gets to a terminology thing too. Uh, So um, 
for example, onboarding an employee, uh, the HR person will interact with people in accounting and finance, with people in IT, and it's part of this larger business process, right? So when you consider an automation of an onboarding process or just the, the handling of that. You've got integrations between digital systems that need to occur. So in other words, pulling employee information out of an HR system and pushing that into an identity management system and doing mapping. But then you also have the consideration of the communication that occurs in the current process between different individuals and different teams and what impacts the automation that you're doing on the digital side has upon that with an eye towards minimizing the number of those interactions so that you can reduce the introduction of, of data errors, for example, right? So that, so that people aren't manually entering information in multiple systems of record that are causing additional errors to creep in from a data validation and data uh, uh, quality cleanliness perspective. So I I think it's, it's, I mean, with the horsepower on this call, I don't think it's that we disagree there. I think it's just a question of terminology. And, you know, I I guess it's a little bit controversial for me to say, well, integrations include the human machine interface, but I, I the point I'm trying to make is that if we look at things holistically at the systemic level, that is the best way to contend with the cost of complexity, not by looking at optimizing specific subcomponents of those processes. Um I I definitely agree it's a system, it's a system problem and you're you're gonna go, you're I think you're gonna reach a very Bad, I think we're reaching a very bad state by making the assessment that I can analyze complexity of, the, of my individual units. This is what I was, I've was i been calling the uh, Jevons paradox for complexity, by the way, mm-hmm. is this idea that I can take an API and hide a whole bunch of complexity behind it and pretend like I don't have complexity in my system. Yeah. And, and so this idea that... Um, I've hooked together a whole bunch of systems in simple ways by using APIs, but there's a whole bunch of complexity behind the systems that I've linked together that I I don't see anymore. This is how cloud works to me. It's like, hey, I don't have to worry about Amazon because I have an API that gives me a server. Never all and and the complexity of Amazon systems do not does not matter to me anymore. And that fall that's a fallacy, um, partially a fallacy. Um, and I, I've been going down that. Go ahead, Rich. Yeah, when you're talking about data, though, which is what you know, Tyler's focus and starting point was the was the data. And if you, if I'm understanding correctly, Tyler's approach here, there's a there's a knock on effect that's here that you may not be incorporating in your total cost figure, and that is. I might create a general purpose, very you know, reduced and <laughs> reduced instruction set for, for my data, my my this data layer we're talking about. But that in turn kicks the can up to the application stack or the specific end user 
and saying, okay, yeah, I got a, I've got a, I've got to take a um, very small set of atomic operations that I can utilize on the data set and create, first of all, the database that I need and then apply the application. Am I making any sense to you there? So it's a matter of, am I, am I, pushing, am I pushing the complexity or the, the work that needs to be done in first cost somewhere else in the system as opposed to taking it on in the data set? So is, is my question understandable? I would say your question is quite valid. Yeah. Because you're basically, I mean, that's the same description of no disrespect intended, kicking the can down the block. Yeah, that's exactly. And those little, those little um, blips that follow thereafter are adding yeah. additional complexity where you thought the complexity was being obviated. If I was and if so, I was doing this by analogy, the the logical extreme on the compute side rather than the data would be everything is a Turing machine. I'll start there, and then build it up thereafter. Well, yeah, I've reduced complexity for that particular layer, but I've I've pushed I've pushed the the effort and the level of work for first cost to some other part of the systems that. I guess yeah, that I, I think you're right, Rich. Uh, the I like I like analogs, right? So an analog would be uh, uh, computer science, um, uh, computer languages, how they developed over the last five decades, right? right? Uh, so you look at the people that originally wrote C plus <laughs> plus, and may they rot in hell. <laughs> I'm not I'm not here to throw stones, Rich. But the, the point is that, you know, all the best efforts of mice and men at the beginning and trying to build things for ultimate flexibility and reusability that you get a certain ways down the road and you realize that there are mistakes that happened. And, and that's really the first cost you're talking about. Uh, yeah. So. So that's one. That's one. Yeah, so we haven't. Though. I don't think as an industry, we've really solved for that. And I think. We're way behind that when it comes to things like modern API-driven architectures and microservices that were that in computer science and languages, they're actually several decades ahead of where we are in the, the software architecture design piece at the higher level. But at the same time, uh, it's kind of like, I'm sure you guys read Jeff Bezos's letters to the shareholders and 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 where he talks about the <laughs> right, Rich, uh, where where he talks about you know type one and type two decisions and all of that, uh, where it's like you, when you think about those the, those first costs and how you architect things, can you build things in such a way that you can minimize the cost of making the wrong architectural decision when you deploy that now? To your point, we're never going to get to the point where the 
the slope of the line, as it were, and the marginal cost of new integrations and new components gets to zero, it, it will never be zero. There will always be rework that will have, have to happen. But I think there's a lot of wiggle room in us being able to drive down the slope of that line by adopting a set of standard best practices around how to deal with complexity um, is kind of my point, I guess. I I, I struggle. This that, is. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, ahead, Joanne. Um, uh, how does that balance with composability? Well, I think you want to. I think that should be one of the uh, the key best practices is to maximize recomposability. That, because that's a way of minimizing the cost of, of previous mistakes and technical debt. So the more composable, in other words, the more composable your recomposable your architecture is, the less the cost of the technical debt that you've introduced. What about data? Ooh, what about the data sense composability? Ooh. I mean, at, at a certain point, I'd be sitting there saying, you know, the op. That the optimal blend would be some kind of base system based with a some sort of a key value or kind of small tuple. And then everything would every language made use of it would look like prologue. And you know, I I somehow think that's not a commercial reality. I would I'm tend to agree with you. To jo Joanne's uh, comment uh, about uh, the uh, the cost of uh, uh, what was that? Not to be contrarian, but how does one get to the point that every API has the same cost? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think you do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I think when you're looking at mathematical modeling, you can you can provide. It's kind of like doing spice analysis back in the EE days. You had first order, second order, third order, yeah. fourth order uh, models for simulating electronic components. And you can get to a certain level as long as you're being able to uh, uh, distribute the error function across enough different integrations. So uh, sorry, Rich, I, I, no. I was still kind of stuck on responding yeah, no, to the question a, there. These are all really good. And I guess one of the, well, here's a, a question. I. I'm not sure I know the answer to at all, but is trying to map, trying to, to project complexity onto a single dimension cost, is that, is that really a good idea or should we be talking about something that has a number of vectors of, of of metric, you know, we may have cost, but there are other there are other aspects that don't automatically translate into costs or costs at, at a particular time. But something that's a little more instructive than just you know the notion of cost. Well, that, at the end, you know, let's adopt uh, Goldratt's theory of constraints and say that the actual uh, control is dollars of profit mm. right i mean that and and that goes in but at when you do that if you look at it from a modeling per 
perspective. Speaking of complexity, the complexity of your model, it becomes off the charts because you're trying to model all of that. What I'm trying to get to is um, getting to the point where I can think about mapping inputs and outputs with a feedback function, uh, cost being one potentially where we can look at um, kind of a fractal approach to managing complexity in IT. And I don't know if you guys know much about fractals, but if you look at the mathematic of mathematics of fractals that looks very similar to control systems theory and electrical engineering where you have an input a transformation function an output and then a feedback loop with a with a function there and that's how uh like trees for example grow fractally so what they're the the output is the amount of sunlight that they're getting and phototropism happens because they say okay well if I'm not getting enough light here and I'm getting light over here, then my next branch is going to be to grow over there. And, and so they're able, uh-huh. you're able to create and manage insanely complex systems in biology by adopting and by having growth systems adopt a set of best practices or simple rules to be able to grow in a way that uh, that optimizes for the utility of the tree or the forest the, or whatever that be. The, the challenge I have with what you're describing is, well, you know, those all of those mathematical principles are very hierarchical. And I one of the challenges I see with tech complexity is that it is much more interwoven than um, than, and this is part of where I think people are really worried about the complexity. Is that and and much and the composability being more composable actually makes this problem worse. Right. That the the systems that we have are not linearly stacked on top of each other. They are literally glued. They they loop back together into really insidious ways. Um, like, you know, a whole bunch of systems might use the same monitoring or the same observability APIs, and if those observability APIs are out, then it might impact systems throughout the chain in ways that are unpredictable. And so part of what we're seeing in complexity is not just that we've stacked things on top of each other and we've built a really tall tower, which is how I think a lot of people think about it. What we've really done is we've taken a whole bunch of yarn balls and we've thrown them all together and then just started pulling strings in the yarn. And 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 so we don't and this to me is the problem. We don't actually understand how the systems are interconnected or interdependent and where the coupling pieces are. Right. Klaus does a, yeah. as I've, in, in the past, right. Klaus, you really inspired me on this topic by talking about coupling and quality of coupling and how things are coupled. Yeah. But you're, funny you're you should mention right that now. because that is part of my academic upbringing. Like it, it, it's literally one of the earliest things that they teach you in uh, system architecture courses coupling and complexity. Uh, uh, sorry. Complexity as, as a matter of coupling and cohesion. And, and the notion of time in there, which is you know, the notion of late binding or, or, you know, making late binding decisions based on some of those, the kinds of rules that Tyler is talking about is always also one of these issues. The, 
I guess I'm still stuck on this whole notion of cost. And can can you actually talk about optimization and and rate these things purely on a on a cost basis, or can or must we not also talk about kind of breaking up the purpose that we're going after here? <clears throat> And yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement on that, Rich. I see a lot of heads nodding in agreement with you that. Yeah. that so an example of that would be uh, the ability to implement canary releases for new implementations of a revenue driving, you know, marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. uh, trying to use simply cost as as the sole driver for how you manage that system makes no sense whatsoever yeah, because the agility is actually what's driving the business value or, there or, or latency because of the nature of the of, of the objective the timing and uh, has to be you know take take the uh, be taken into account. Yeah, I mean, we're, I, I'm not trying to say that I have no. all the answers at all, right? I, yeah. It's just that this is kind of the way that I hope that the thinking starts to evolve, that we look at like this kind of fractal control model. Um, and, you know, and in biology, the way they deal with that is you have this, you know, the way that these control systems work at the ecosystem level, uh, I think. It's, it's interesting to find that the, the fractal distribution of leaves on a tree matches the branches on the tree, but also matches the distribution of trees in the forest. So you've got the same control system that's happening as interrelation between these systems at the ecosystem approach. And IT, I think that my sense tells me that that exists, but that we don't have any way to really describe it very effectively at the moment. So we, we think about things like vendor and user ecosystems, for example, and regulatory and compliance, you know, how that how government and compliance and all of these different things contribute to creating the, these ecosystems of technology. And I know that there, there's math behind that and there's ways to quantify these relationships but that seems like to well to me it's like a completely unexplored field or opportunity to try to 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 learn to characterize things and i don't see anybody doing that and i'm certainly not to the you know i'm i'm still writing code right yeah. today is, Brett, what you were that's ahead, Sean. Yeah. i was just going to say that um the when i try to explain complex systems to uh to another person that understands the topic, I have a tendency to always come back to uh, financial cost centers. Because um, to a certain extent, if you have a really complex system, but you manage both the, the you're responsible for the code and the implementation of the code, because um, you, you have the employees and you have the equipment, it has a tendency to become less, uh, you can deal with the complexity, right? You can work through it and work around it. But if they're, even if it's um, between, you know, you're using lots of APIs to reduce complexity and you've made a lot of efforts, but it's between different cost centers, different organizations within the same company or, um, or multiple vendors or, you know, lots of different 
competing interests, that's seems to be the factor where you, uh, it breaks down and, um, you have to deal with the, the integration points between those cost centers and it, um, because you, you can't tell them what to do to a large extent because they have their own money. So they, they like their complexity the way it is. And, you know, if it's really hard to work with then tough shit. <laughs> well, and it, yeah. And, and we're, we're, we're at the top that so we, we need to, um, I'll, I'll okay, leave you Tyler. with a parting thought. Sorry. And I just want to yeah. FYI, Tyler, Tyler, yes. look at geospatial systems and the way they use trade-off management with weighted averages and, and, and the buckets. In geospatial, you use you need the trade-offs between multivariate systems. That's exactly what I think you're trying to describe here. And I think you will find that math extremely useful. Yeah, I'll, I'll that, take a look at that. That may be the that may be the perspective that gives you that that same kind of recognition of patterns at the at the different levels. Yeah. That's a great well, that's a great suggestion, Joe. The, the the honest Thank thing you. is, you know, I'm trying to get my next customer for our company. <laughs> and it's kind of like I would love to get like a DARPA grant to you know spend the next three years noodling on these ideas and coming up with the mathematics. Um, in fact, I'm trying to convince some um, Georgia Tech professors to go on that journey with me. Folks that have, you know, I have an electrical engineering degree. I don't have really what we need is somebody on the team that's got a PhD in mathematics to, to kind of really, you know, power charge this. Um, yeah. And, and, and even there, the PhD in mathematics probably needs to be an algorithmist. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's like there's this whole exciting new field that's waiting for somebody to explore. Um, but right now I'm kind of hand to mouth just trying to get, you know, it's kind of like, like, Rob, you live that life too, right? Is It's like we've got this these small companies and we're trying to grow it. And I'm spending most of my time talking to users and, you know, working with the developers and did, figuring out what new features to add to the UI and, you know, very in the weeds as opposed – I mean, this thinking that you guys saw with the complexity stuff was what I was doing in 2015 where I basically took a year off after Rackspace to just – clear my head and think about some bigger ideas. Mm -hmm. um, but since then, we've kind of, you know, I've kind of put my head down and and, and got back into the weeds. I, uh, I'm going to send the slides to the team, to the chat here. Um, Thank you. So you've got a... I can help you with some of your messaging and diagramming. I love those. From a marketer's perspective. You've already given me, right? Uh, I mean, it's it's... Yeah, and but, and frankly, I'm just so overwhelmed with just, you know, I mean, the business is going good, right? You know, I've got more requests coming in and we're billing more revenue and, you know, that's all really exciting, right? Where's And but it, you have to explain able to explain it to mortals. I definitely understand. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you've got to be living that every day, Rob, with what you do. I mean. We, we, I worked on it for solid two years. Right. Some of it's market timing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, 
right? Because people right now are care, care about complexity. Um, and, but, but, and this is actually what I was going to say. This is sort of my, my wrap up point for y'all. You can simplify things by choosing not to play with other people, reduce the number of contact, you know, just intuitively reduce the number of connections in your graph, but that ultimately increases the complexity if you, if you draw a firm boundary around your stuff, because you, you know, you have, you, you do have to play with people. What we're seeing is the only way to reduce complexity is to actually have people collaborate around the reusable modules. That's the actual, the actual answer, right? All the mathematical modeling, I think, is important too. But what we're finding is the ultimate answer is the only way that you're going to reduce complexity and not eliminate it, but just reduce it or better yet manage it is to have more people reusing components yeah, rather absolutely. than creating new versions of components. It goes back to your composability issue too. Right. And, yeah. and so... So you have the only way to manage complexity is to do a better job of creating composability. You have to have people collaborating around the around components instead of do, building their own things. Well, to, to your point about the cost stuff, Rich, is is that that's not how you sell any of this, right? This is, <laughs> this is great for our conversations, but for me, you know what I'm selling now is. You know, hey, Mr. CIO, stop getting those angry emails from the other business leaders because you haven't onboarded employees fast enough to get access to the right systems. You know, the optimization may be applying optimization or the, or the, the, the search for optimization may be more about finding the right granularity, for want of a better word, of your components and your composability. You know, it may be finding an optimal optimal point of, I, I don't know if there is a, a real measure of composability, but if that may be, that may be closer to, to the right place to, to focus as opposed to what effectively is a as an well it's not an externality but it's a it's a byproduct of it well so i'd love to hear what you say about that rob because i feel like you're on the same journey as i am just more on the infrastructure side and i'm more on the data side and on the infrastructure side you're not talking about composability is my guess my you're talking about reducing risk and increasing flexibility and being able to manage more effectively across multiple clouds and multiple infrastructures. And you're, you're on mute. You're mute. We're, we're focused squarely on um, infrastructure pipelines, collaboration and coordination. So from, from our perspective, the composability of an, like, there's two things. It's a coordination across an end to end goal. Right. And then being able to reuse, reuse components of that and have teams collaborate across that work. So, so for us, the complexity piece is a degree of eliminating rework. But, and, and having commonalities in how that. So the composability is really, really important. And then recognizing that the composability might mean 
multiple teams collaborating. Yeah, that's and, how, the, and what the nature of that collaboration is, um, and and and, uh, and, and decoupling. Not, well, you have to. You yeah. the, the goal is to decouple the collaboration. Is the way we're looking at it. So you have a lot of teams collaborating in in ways that are consistent and repeatable across the across. So part of the big the big thing about reducing the complexity is to create decoupled modules that are reusable and have team autonomy in them. Yeah. So and, the, right. And the, the repeatable... Are you really talking about modules, you know, like reusable components? Or are you talking about kind of going back a little, the, the design patterns, the, the, a design language or, you know, we've, we've both, got, both are, both are important. It's just like, I mean, what we're doing, what we're doing is, is programming for infrastructure. So you, when you're, if you were building a programming language for infrastructure, you would want libraries and modules and behaviors that were built into the, the system so that you could actually do that work. The, the modularity and reuse is super important, right? I, I agree that modularity yeah, yeah. and reuse is super important. What I guess I'm proposing, though, is in order to decide what is important for the specific task or customer, I may make a decision that says, in this particular case, the right pattern for going to, to Tyler's problem around the data the right pattern for consolidation of data is highly structured. Um, it's because of the nature of its use, and you know it's going to look like a a, a a data where you know old, old style, older style data warehouse, and it's going to because the only thing it's going to be used for is BI. And I might also be able to say, you know, the nature of the, the problem is one of finding the right set of, the right form of con data consolidation for multiple purposes, for, you know, mm -hmm. reverse ETL, for, you know, throwing it to the analytics guys, but also throwing it out to an operational data set for operations. Uh, the the right way of doing it calls for a different off the shelf. There, there, there's there's necessary complexity, and and you can't right the idea systems are not conforming to everybody doing the same thing. Yeah, they're not conforming. They're not conforming to every right. That that's the 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 thing to. Nor to, should they. Well, yeah. this is the challenge with a lot of complexity discussions. They're like, I'm just going to eliminate all the complexity and streamline it to the, just the things I need. And now I, now it's simple for me, but it's now actually bespoke to me. And I've, I've now, actually you, made the system built, more complex. You've built a bespoke system, right, that doesn't have reusability. And that's, that, that's what I... we see all over the place. And what you're describing in the data data transformation space is you need to acknowledge that the complexity, that, that building that bespoke thing that just does exactly what you need is actually adding complexity into the system. Yeah. Yeah. So and there is a there's a there's a there's a happy there's a happy point in here. And what I'm saying is 
It's sure. not solely based on cost. And once again, I, I, I keep having the sense that there's a design language for data engineering, kind of the way a des the design language for, for programming got put in place by, you know, the gang of four, you know, 20 some odd, 25 years ago. And it led to some very good, it get, led to good practices, if not best practices for software development. Well, I think you're. I think you're right, Rich. The only thing is that there won't be one because there's different. Yeah. It, it comes from different places. So just like software, you've got you know the whole JavaScript ecosystem. You've got the Java ecosystem. You've got the the C. Hallelujah. The fourth. But but even with the different ecosystems, you can kind of go back to. I don't know, they're not exactly platonic forms, but you know, you can kind of get into this and kind of say, all right, here is the nature of the of the design pattern. Well, I'm using a design language to say, here's the here's a here's the right way to go about describing this ecosystem. What's that's what we're missing. What's emphasized. And that that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at is that. The, the, the language is really more of a meta language. It's, it's more of a high level, you know. Yeah. yeah th that's... There's different implementations of it. Like the, my my event generator code, Rob could use, except that he's built on a completely different software stack than I am. Yeah. Right. So that that so that's a, I saw Drew head there for a I second. I want to leave you guys with a oh, picture. Um, oh well. Uh, so <laughs> you see that. That's kind of the, the thinking, right? Is that like, you know, you've got to harmonize all these systems, right? <laughs> you don't have control over all the systems of record, whether that's infrastructure data or whatever the data do domain is. It's like, but how do you optimize harmonizing all of those different legacy systems together? Okay, here's, here's a clue. And, and this is kind of my, I, I know you have to go, Rob, and I'm not going to yeah. make this long. Take your square edge and add some curvature to it because the complexity argument is not one that conforms, nor does the design pattern yeah. for what you're describing, Rob, does not conform to square edges. Instead, yeah. it's more pipe-like. There and are curvatures, and those and are it's, all it's projected on flexibility surfaces. and ad hoc yeah. that's and needed. And it's projected on surfaces. Yes. And you, absolutely. And, you, and in, on those surfaces, you have optimal optimal places. You've got you've got gravity wells, you know, and mm -hmm. you've got various kinds of, of approaches. No, I, I think you're you're dead on. If you find a graphic that depicts that. On online, let me know because I'd love to see. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. I got it. You know, I mean, I'm adding it. I'm adding it to the, okay. the calendar for March third, and then I I need to get to my. I've actually looked for that <laughs> graphic meeting. before, but all right. I'm gonna end it. Thank Good. you all. Bye. Bye all. Talking about complexity is complex, and uh, it's not clear to me 
uh, how we are going to measure it, or even if we have to. Uh, it is clear to me that we will continue to have these conversations about complexity. And so please uh, join us. We, we want to hear you. Uh, you can come into the discussions at the 2030.cloud, find a link and our agenda and schedule, and I will see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.